This is episode number 11 on the Follow Your Flow podcast, and it is brought to you by my Stillness and Cycles program, a program that was initiated last year and has seen 150 women move through the program. The feedback has been amazing, where some women express that it has been literally life-changing for them in how they understand their bodies, their cycles, and how they deal with stress and how they feel about themselves as women. There's a link to sign up for the waiting list in the show notes, and you will be the first to know when the next program is released. More details are on the website. In this episode, you may have guessed I am talking about stress and what stress is and how it affects our menstrual cycle. So listen into the episode to hear my expanded view on what stress actually is because I believe that we are living in much more constant stress than we realize. I mean, any time we're not living who we truly are, we're not honoring how we feel, any time we're overriding what we naturally sense in life or about life, and any time we simply don't listen to the communication from our body that's stress for our body, that's a stressful situation. We may be so used to it that we don't even realize that this has become our normal. So in this episode, I'm broadening our view on stress, talking about how it affects the delicate communication between our hormones and how this then gives us symptoms in our menstrual cycle that we tend not to like very much, like PMS or period pain or heavy bleeding, just to name a few. Now, one thing I wanted to point out is that in the episode, I mentioned how stress can delay ovulation. Well, this is not entirely true. It does seemingly delay ovulation. However, it's always on time. Ovulation is always on time because it is responding to the quality that our body is in. So it is doing exactly what is being called for according to how we're living and it's communicating this to us. Like I always say, we are not at the mercy of our hormones. They are at the mercy of us. As always, please remember that these podcasts are for informational purposes only. Please seek medical advice if you wish to make changes to your healthcare plan. So let's dive into the topic of stress and how it affects our menstrual cycle. Enjoy. You're listening to Follow Your Flow, your podcast on all things women's health, menstruation and fertility. Your host, fertility awareness educator, women's health practitioner and lover of all things health and healing, brings her wealth of experience along with the real experiences of women and the expertise of health professionals. If you're looking for real and insightful conversations with real women, along with inspiring and lasting ways to improve your health, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host on Follow Your Flow, Sarah Harris. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Flow podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how stress affects your menstrual cycle. This is a question I get asked a lot, and it's also something that I talk to women about a lot because stress has a huge effect 
on our menstrual cycle and it can be just bringing an understanding to stress and having a relationship with it and learning how to deal with stress and not just manage stress that can have huge effects on how a woman experiences her menstrual cycle. So let's first of all start off with what is stress. Stress can be different for every person. Everyone is going to experience stress in a different way. What is stressful for one person may not necessarily be stressful for another person. But in saying that, there is a biological response in the body that is the same for everyone. And that is when the HPA axis, the hypothalamic hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis is activated and we produce stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. Cortisol is a very typical way of measuring stress in our bodies. And what happens when we have a stress response in our body, cortisol peaks. We release more, our body releases more cortisol And this happens when we are having what you might have heard of called a fight or flight response. And this is when we are basically escaping from danger or we feel that there is an imminent threat that is happening. So our bodies are very, very intelligent in that we will switch to that response immediately to be able to basically survive. So our heart beats faster, circulates more blood in our body to the muscles so that we can run away from the danger. Our breathing becomes heavier. It's it's all necessary. It's necessary to keep us safe when we need to survive. However, this fight or flight response, which is the sympathetic nervous system response, as opposed to the parasympathetic nervous system. This sympathetic nervous system response is happening all of the time for a lot of people. So generally, we really only need it when we are in serious danger. There is a serious threat. There is something happening where we need our body to isolate itself into a mode where we are going to be able to use every every um, available source to survive the situation. But many people these days are actually in that fight or flight response all of the time. And we get into a way of being that where the, our nervous system is activated. The sympathetic nervous system is activated. Now, this can have huge effects on our body. And it can obviously affect our menstrual cycle. Because when we do isolate, when our body does say, right, we are prioritizing survival right now. In effect, it actually then deprioritizes every other every other uh, system in the body. And one of the first casualties of that process is the menstrual cycle and our sex hormones, so ovulation and making estrogen and progesterone. 
that basically becomes second to survival in that moment. But what can happen is if we are living in a way where there is this constant stress happening and we've got this activation of the sympathetic nervous system when we're constantly pumping out cortisol, then that then can have an effect on our menstrual cycle. The parasympathetic nervous system is also known as rest and digest. So this is where our hormones, are, our sex hormones, are happiest. That's where they can do their job and that's when the body is, I guess, feeling more harmonious and at ease. Uh, so it is ideal for us to work out a way to live in a way where we're not constantly in that fight or flight mode. So how would stress affect your periods? What would it, what would it look like? What would you see? Some of the things that you would probably see might be PMS and period pain, irregular periods, heavy bleeding, even acne. All of those things can be a result of this constant stress in your body. Now remember, stress in and, in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just when we're in that constant activation of fight or flight that takes us away from this natural harmonious balance in our body. So let's have a look at what stress actually is. Let's talk about it a little bit more because we tend to think about stress as a major event like a um, relationship breakdown or some serious deadlines at work, um, which it is. It is all of these things and experiences of potentially abuse or when a loved one is unwell or when it seems like you just can't fit everything into one day. Uh, so there's there's lots of very real stresses on the body and we all can identify that and we know what that is and we can say, you know, I feel really stressed right now. There's countless more examples, of course, and what is stressful, like I said before, for one person may not be exactly the same kind or level of stress for another person. I know one of the one of the huge stress for a lot of people is public speaking. I know for myself, I was terrified of public speaking, absolutely terrified. And I always used to say when I was at school, if I had to make a presentation, I always used to say that I would rather die, seriously, rather die than get up there and present. So there's some definitely some changes that have happened for me along the way to be able to be delivering you this podcast right now. So we know those stresses affect us because we can feel it. We feel anxious, we feel overwhelmed, we feel emotional, sometimes we might even feel out of control. But what about the seemingly smaller stresses in life that we may have just gotten used to and got used to them as being somewhat normal? Perhaps we have, like I know I can relate to, a low-grade, high-functioning kind of anxiety that we don't even realize is happening because it's just become this normal way that we've learned to be. So from experience, personal and professional, this, this is absolutely a reality for a lot of people. 
we have simply just shifted the goalpost so that our marker for normal is in fact far from what is actually normal and actually natural and harmonious for our body. So from the time that we're quite young, we learn to adapt to people. We learn to adapt to our surroundings, our society, and just the, the life around us. We move faster when it's required. Um, we react to life. We learn to react to what, what we think life is wanting from us. We learn when to speak and when not to speak according to what others want and expect. And we also learn to do nothing and ignore our innermost sense and knowing, which I know that we all have some sense that there is, is an inner knowing that we have, but we just override. We decide that we need to be something in life or think that we are nothing. And we look for recognition, we look for validation, and we listen to the demands from every angle coming from outside of ourselves rather than listening to what is deeply held within. So even if life is great and there are no major stresses that you can think of, the very fact that you have most likely moved away from that innermost harmony and that natural intelligence of your body, the natural wisdom of your body, whilst living from the outside in rather than the inside out, that is actually a stress. So we may not consider that as a stress initially, but then when we actually get to see and feel that there is a departure from a harmonious state, then we can see that the stress is actually probably much wider than we realize. And so, you know, it could look like, for example, the constant pleasing of others. It could be staying up late. It could be ignoring signals that your body gives you. It could be pushing yourself at the expense of your body, uh, a lack of knowing your worth and your value in life, maybe overriding what you feel about a particular person or a situation. That's a stress on your body. You've, you've felt something and you've overridden it. and Or not giving yourself the space to just be rather than this constant doing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like that living in constant drive and motion and also being critical of oneself. I mean, that is a stress on your body. When you're critical, when you're being hard on yourself and when you've got that, that chatter that goes on that is constantly degrading yourself or telling you that you're not enough, that is a major stress on our bodies that we probably don't identify as you know, stress straight away and the list can go on and on. So that's that stress under a microscope but still probably only just scratching the surface. And I just wanted to give you a little bit more insight into what stress actually is. We're just sort of broadening our understanding and seeing that there's, there's probably much more stress that we're under than we actually realize. 
So how do we see the effect on our menstrual cycle? What actually happens? So, well, to start with, uh, we are, if you have listened to the episode where I talked two episodes ago, where I talked about our fertility awareness and the biomarkers in our body to tell us when we're ovulating. Well, these same markers can actually be revealing to us if there is stress happening in our body. So we'd be looking at the cervical mucus and we'd be looking at the basal body temperature. And the cervical mucus, it, as we know, if you've listened to that episode, it is the secretion that comes from the cervix in the lead up to ovulation and it's a response it's responding to estrogen the estrogen production and so what can happen is the as as we're moving towards ovulation this cervical mucus actually becomes more abundant and then it stops after ovulation but if we are in this stress response then what can happen is our ovulation can be delayed. So with the cervical mucus, it can actually come and go a little bit before it actually you actually do ovulate. And we can then see on a chart, or you can feel it in your own body, that your body is actually attempting to ovulate and doesn't actually follow through. But you can see it and you can feel it because you know that marker in your body. So that's how we can tell if there is a stress potentially happening in our body that we may not fully be aware of or or we can see our body's reaction to a stress that we are aware of. The other thing is the basal body temperature. So this marker actually shows us when we have ovulated and so if our ovulation is pushed out, if our ovulation is... is um, potentially delayed for some, for reasons that may be due to stress in the body, then we'll be able to see that the day of ovulation and when it happens and we'll be able to see in the bigger context of things when we're looking at the cycle that there was potentially a stressful time happening in the lead up to ovulation and that is why ovulation was pushed out. Or we may see with both of those things that there is neither of those signs are happening in our body, which means that stress has actually, the stress response has not just affected the hypothalamic, pituitary and ovarian axis, the HPO axis. It hasn't only just affected it on some level, it's actually turned it off. And that's when we see more extreme cases of stress where that the, the stress response is basically just saying, we just can't go there right now. We just can't use this system right now. We, and, and this is very intelligent of the body to uh, be responding to whatever's going on for you. Just like at the moment, that is not a priority and we need to prioritize survival. And it may not be that you're running away from a lion, you know, it might be that there's this constant low grade or high grade stress that's happening for other reasons, but your body's registering it as survival. So it's important, like I said, to have a relationship with stress 
and have a relationship with your body so that you can not only just manage stress, you can actually deal with stress. And dealing with stress is about having a connection with your body. And then because of the effect that stress has on the production of estrogen and progesterone, this can often lead to a situation with excess estrogen and low progesterone in the body. And that can has its own sort of host of, of um, complications and, and uh, I guess, result in things like PMS, heavy bleeding, and irregular periods and just an imbalance in how a woman's experiencing her menstrual cycle and the rest of her body because remember the menstrual cycle is happening all the time so it's how she's experiencing herself in her body the other thing too that we can get to feel is that when our when we are under stress under certain amounts of stress, we then go and choose different behaviors that then affect us. So it's not just the stress itself, it's also the behaviors around the stress that can compound the original effect of the stress. For example, I'll tell you a story of when I was growing up in my early teens and I didn't have a good relationship with my body or with myself. I was very, very hard on myself and often had thoughts about how I hated myself and how I despised myself. I thought I was fat. I thought I was ugly. All of the things that, you know, is just some people might think is normal teenage behavior, you know, but it's actually not normal in any way whatsoever. So that's very, very far from normal actually even though it may be quite common so you could say that my level of self-worth was hugely diminished for me at that time and I had severe period pain and that affected me that affected how I felt about myself it affected days off school it affected how I felt in my body just feeling unwell and around the time of my period and it was at that time that I was having this, what you would call, what I would call a uh, love affair with dairy and um, not a true love affair at that, I have to say. Uh, I would have milk every single day and that was in copious amounts. Like seriously, it was a serious addiction. I would just crack it at anyone who was around if there was no milk for breakfast in the morning, first thing when I woke up. But this affair with dairy was making me sneeze and have the most debilitating hay fever ever. Like I knew this. I knew that it wasn't good for me and that it was the dairy that was affecting me, but I just continued to have it because I needed it. It was like a drug and I didn't know how else to deal with the tension. So you can feel that I was just piling solution on top of solution. I was, I was had this stress of feeling this enormous amount of lack of self-worth and not feeling good enough and not feeling good in myself. That's a major stress on the body. So I went straight for comfort food and dairy was my drug. And we all have our own behaviors that maybe equate to the same sort of thing. 
um, something that we use kind of to medicate and to override those deeper feelings that we don't want to feel and that we don't want to uh, deal with. We don't want to deal with what we're feeling. So that was my experience of um, how stress then led to a behavior that, you know, so the stress was already affecting my menstrual cycle. And then the behavior that I was choosing as a result of that stress was then also affecting my menstrual cycle. And I, that resulted in, in severe period pain. So what does stress actually do to your hormones? It has a huge effect, particularly on progesterone and when your body is stressed, it produces higher levels of cortisol, as I spoke about before, and that manages the stress in your body. Even if it's not a stress, even if it's not, uh, you know, you needing to survive, your body doesn't know the difference, but it, it still has that same response, cortisol levels go high. And progesterone and cortisol are actually made from the same, you could say, ingredients. So because there's a preference and a priority of, of surviving, cortisol takes preference. So there is less decreased levels of progesterone that are produced. The other thing is that it also uh, switches off, it can switch off the HPO axis, like I said before, the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. And so that actually turns off ovulation. And we know that if we're not ovulating, we're not making progesterone. And when we're not making progesterone, we're missing out on the fact that it actually helps us to stabilize the communication between the HPA axis, the stress response. So progesterone is actually needed to support us with that. But we, when we're in that constant state of stress, then we're diminishing our resources for progesterone to help us with that. And it also, progesterone soothes uh, our mood. It's very calming and supports our sleep. And so when we're in that stress response, we don't have the resource from progesterone to be able to help us with those things, to be able to regulate and support our um, mood and support our sleep and help us feel calm. Progesterone also helps us with inflammation in our body as well. So Stress can have an effect on your immune system, like being more susceptible to catching a cold, and it also increases inflammation in the body. So you've got the stress increasing infl inflammation, but it's also decreasing progesterone, and progesterone helps with the inflammation. So we've got these kind of vicious cycles of things not, um, of, of where we're kind of losing our resources to be able to deal with things. So women experiencing, say, period pain, for example, have higher levels of what's called prostaglandins, and their job is to contract smooth muscle of the uterus to allow for the shedding at menstruation, so the bleeding to occur. But with high stress and inflammation, these markers in the body can also be higher than what's actually needed, causing more contraction, and more pain and then with a condition say for example endometriosis or even just bad period pain dealing with stress is super valuable part of actually dealing with stress 
is a super valuable part of um, your treatment plan to decrease and minimize inflammation as much as possible because otherwise you're you're got yourself caught in this vicious cycle of not having the resources to be able to deal with what is going on in your body so i cannot stress enough how important it is to learn how to deal with stress and not just manage it but actually have a relationship with it and with your body so you can truly deal with stress and understand what's actually going on this is how i work with a lot of my clients in women's health counseling in my one-on-one sessions but but it's also a huge part of the stillness and cycles program and why that program came to be was really so that women could understand or bring a quality of presence and a relationship with their body where they had a marker of knowing what normal actually is because we have all these different kinds of normal in our lives and normal for us could actually be stress constantly. And so unless we actually build a relationship with something that is closer to stillness, or stillness itself, then we don't quite know or have a marker to be able to refer to, to know when we are actually stressed and to know when we're our menstrual cycle and our body is actually being affected. So you can find out more about those programs and you can get in touch with me for one-on-one sessions. The other thing I did want to say as well is that sleep is super important and sleep is one of those things that again can be experienced in different ways for different people sleep is not just about shutting down the body it is about having a a rejuvenated restorative rest where your body actually can support itself to then be ready for the next day so we make hormones as well during our day and then during our night that helps us and also feeds into our menstrual cycle and that is our cortisol during the day is actually we need that level of cortisol to help us through the day not elevated and chronically elevated but an elevated cortisol level to that that reaches a height in the morning peaks in the morning and then in response to the sun and then it slowly declines throughout the day when we get to the evening where melatonin kicks in and then supports us to sleep and the melatonin is actually governed by or is produced by the pineal gland and the pineal gland governs rhythms in our body the pineal gland governs not only our circadian rhythm It also governs our menstrual cycle rhythm. So when we have an upset or a disharmony or an interruption with our sleep-wake cycle where we're not actually getting the rest that we need, we might be staying up too late, we may be pushing ourselves um, or just not looking after ourselves during the day so that we can support the sleep that we have to rejuvenate and restore then we're going to have this disruption 
not only in the circadian rhythm but also potentially in the menstrual cycle, that is a stress on the body as well. So I just wanted to throw that one in at the end and maybe it's actually deserving of its own episode and I can definitely talk more about that. But for now, let's leave it at that. That is stress and how it affects your menstrual cycle. I hope you found that helpful. Please let me know what you think about the podcast and how you're going with listening to them. And if you have any requests for any particular topics that you would like me to cover, please do get in touch. I always love receiving emails from my listeners. And also, please remember to rate and review over on Apple Podcast. That helps to get this podcast out to more people so that they can have access to this information. So if you're finding it helpful, if you're enjoying it, head over to Apple Podcasts rate and then give me a review comment would be fantastic hugely hugely appreciated i'm very appreciative of all of you for your time and listening to these podcasts and i hope that you are finding them very supportive so that's it from me for this episode i'll see you in the next one you're listening to follow your flow podcast with sarah harris Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and get in touch. All details on www.followyourflow.com.au slash podcast.